0: Reed, we are so out of practice with this. Well, first of it, and I say that, you'll see why, but welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reid. Yeah, well, because we started the interview, we're going to do with Dwellsy, and yeah. I said that at yeah. the gate, because we haven't done like a real, po- like yep. our traditional podcast with an intro and all that stuff, and so I was all like screwed up. For
1: about a half second, that occurred to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, F it. Let's just go. <laughs> I just, and then I was like. i had, had enough problems just trying to get connected. That so I know, and I didn't want to. Well, we just there's a lot going on uh, with us right now, and I didn't want to like interrupt everything. And then the first like 30 minutes of the interview, it was like I'm going to ask like a 10 question list, and you're going to ask a 10 question list before it becomes before it became a real conversation. But we oh you know 75 percent through we figured it out and we got into a real conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it still works, or it worked on that one. Uh, yeah, Jonas is great, and Dwellsy's super interesting company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in this episode, we're talking with Jonas, uh, co-founder of Dwellzy and and CEO, and he, um, well, he was a great sport. He just rolled with a bunch of questions that we have about the ILS and how, how, although he doesn't want to consider Dwellzy an ILS, we didn't force him on a name if there's a new, like if he wants to be considered in a new category, but he said he did admit that it feels like an ILS because he needed something to be familiar for, for people when they went there, but. Right out of the book hooked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta go for familiarity. Feel I feel like he would have. Uh, he's probably already read that book. Seems like he's well read. Yeah,
1: he had some indirect. I don't want to say references, but just a lot of insights that yeah. you shared uh, with the book. Yeah,
0: yeah. The other thing uh, to take us away, well. First of all, I guess I should say is uh, I love he. We kind of go all over the place, like how, uh, like why they started Dwellsy, how they're trying to attack the market, like their scale. Which spoiler, he uh, they said he says that they have the more inventory than any other ILS as far as his. Uh, calculations and understand, yeah. which is really interesting. I kind of feel like I could have done a whole thing on that, but I also didn't want to put him in a weird spot where he didn't want to get into details. But he seems willing to go into the 12 million units that they have on, which is yeah. super exciting. Mm-hmm. um And then obviously business model because right now they don't charge for listings and they just want to provide the the best experience. I thought that was all terrific. Anything else on the on the episode before I go a little bit, of course, off. I'm going to do a right hand turn a little bit on this one. <laughs>
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I, I'll just say I got a kick out of the fact that you asked how to pronounce his last name. It just reveal the fact that you don't drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave that there, so people listen uh, for at least the first five minutes. Yeah, and get a kick out of that.
0: Yeah, I also feel like I don't, I don't. I've never had like ADD or ADHD, but more recently, my mind is not. I'm not as focused. And I was watching Billions. Billions is back. Did you know that? No, I didn't i'm like
1: three episodes removed now or three seasons sorry oh
0: my god you gotta get back oh well that's right miranda and you are on the same page yeah Yeah. well anyways they have one of the part of the season that got cut in half because of covid because they were midway through filming so they released it and then they go but one of the story plots is there's a new limitless drug and Mm -hmm. uh i feel and when um Axelrod is uh, describing the drug. He's like, you're going to have the energy of a 17-year-old, the focus of a 30-year-old, and a wisdom of a 100-year-old. And I was like, oh, really? 30-year-olds are that much more focused? And then today, I was like, oh, shoot, I am kind of all, <laughs> all over the place. I guess I'm not 30 anymore. <laughs> right. So somewhere went my focus. And no reference to the 45-year-old. No, nope, no, nope. you're <laughs> well, straight in the middle. No selling point there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's why Axelrod wants a drug read. He's probably in that like yeah. age bracket. Well, that's right. Uh well anyways, I don't know if you noticed, but I got this thing across the top of my nose and uh I've noticed about eighteen times today. Oh really? Somehow not You didn't
1: bring it it up? No, it's not because I I have yeah, too much respect for you, even though I do. (laughs) But uh yeah, I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah. So So I let me tell the my famous chip story with Miranda. I'll ships? save that for another
0: podcast. Okay. But... Well, I was. Uh, I thought maybe you would think I, I had gotten a, a bar fight or something. Finally, last night that because... wasn't my first. <laughs> 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 it was more like a log. Oh, you know, or a oh, Tree fell. Off yeah, or yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. One happen. of the logs. I was yeah. dude. I have as I'm splitting all this wood. Uh, uh, sometimes I I'm like in shorts because I'm like screw it, it's so freaking hot out yeah. there when I'm yeah. and then like some of them just like go straight into your into yeah. your shins. Yeah. So yeah. I need like. Um, sterling glasses. shin shin scar shin guards or something. Yeah. no so it wasn't from that oh okay no no, no. Right. this i get home and the dogs always lose their mind and so it was lucy lucy just like no head butted me and oh, then like way. it just like split my nose open wow. and i was like oh god i'm dizzy and i was like nicole am i bleeding and she's like no you're not bleeding and i go straight to the bathroom it's like <laughs> i was like man <laughs> lucy just got me good so well, mystery Anyways, solved yeah, yeah there you go no yeah. bar fight
1: sure jonas will be thrilled that this is the this
0: intro to the intro episode yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we want to talk about dwells but first yeah, breaking news <laughs> yeah anything <laughs> right. else
1: no i uh-huh. really do think though uh i mean i said it up front but he, he was great and you know he uh, said i think he has a good relationship with everett who's also amazing um these guys like i feel like my self-esteem gets lower and lower when i hear these guys speak <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. god we need to up our game um but yeah, he's just got a great perspective, and also I, you I could feel the passion as he talked about um, his company and the industry, which I always admire. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah, great. Well, uh, stay tuned, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. We really had fun with this one. Get, get All right, welcome to the Digital Dudes podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. And Reed, today we're here with Jonas Bordeaux, who is CEO and co-founder of Dwellsy. Welcome, Jonas. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, I know I sent you a, uh, a synopsis of your own career, uh, which, <laughs> but instead of me reading <laughs> off your career back to you, how about you give us a little bit of introduction to you and uh, you know uh, what Dwellsy is and, and how you got there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, I'm a I'm a real estate guy, kind of born and bred. I you know grew up in the real estate space with family and. Uh, you know, ever since then, have have kind of been on my way back to it. And for the past 15 years, I've been working in real estate in various capacities. Uh, most recently, before founding Dwellsey, I was running um, centralized operations for Essex Property Trust, which is about 60K units on the West Coast. Um, so, you know, I had the chance to really get, um, you know, a detailed understanding of, you know, how do you how do you run assets and, and units in this in this business? Uh, and that, you know, led me to the founding of Dwellsey. Uh, I've been doing Dwellsey for about uh, two and a half years now and um yeah that's who i am cool well thanks for that
0: mm-hmm. um shoot i don't know where i want to go first but um you had been out of the you, you were just saying before we got on air that you had been doing consumer stuff before and mm-hmm. then you uh, had obviously been in property management before jumping into dwellsy and yeah you were saying that now you're having to build kind of a two-sided marketplace although you didn't call it a two-sided marketplace so walk us through like in the two and a half years i'm sure that's flown by But how, like, what you have, what what Dwellsy has been able to accomplish today, and where you guys Mm -hmm. are at? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So you know, it's very much a two sided marketplace, Um, but a bit of a different take on it. Uh, There's some things that are possible now that wouldn't have been possible a few years ago. Um, You know, so we we very much need to uh, and are building that great consumer experience uh, to allow renters from all across the country to be able to uh, find their next place on Dwellsy, and at the same time offer a great experience to landlords. Um, property managers, such that they're able to get their places rented in, in an incredibly cost efficient, cost efficient and professional way. Um, you know, the the goal is to allow every renter to find their place and every uh, property manager or landlord to get their place rented. Uh, that's that's what we're building towards.
0: And how how do you answer people about like, oh, Dwellsy, another ILS? You know, <laughs> why why do we need another ILS? So how do you how do you answer yeah. that?
2: Well, I don't think we need another ILS. Uh, I want to be very clear on that. You know, nothing against the ILS is I've, I've been in and around that world for a long time. And uh, I think they provide a really valuable service and that's not going away anytime soon. Um, you know, fundamentally what what the ILS is, is a paid marketing channel. Um, and you're buying classified ads. It's like, you know, roughly the same as the, the Street Corner Circular from 1978. Um, you know, it's Street Corner Circular on the internet. Um, and it's been updated for, you know, current technology, so you know, but it's, it's still fundamentally the same. And that's a very useful tool because uh, when you're trying to get your apartments rented, sometimes you need more traffic. And those folks can deliver a lot of traffic in a very directed way. Uh, and that's effective. What we're really looking to do is replace what Craigslist used to do, uh, which is provide that steady baseline of traffic uh, for every landlord in the country. And for the moms and pops out there, who can't afford the ILSs um, or aren't willing to pay for the ILSs provide you know everything they need in terms of um the you know getting their places rented in terms of the exposure that they need so that's that's our goal it's a little bit different so you know I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, end up you know working collaboratively with the ILSs for long term but we don't really think of ourselves as an ILS in that same way even though we function a little bit like one
0: yeah well I mean it is uh rentals are going up on your site people can find them like a traditional ILS, but you're, I guess if I'm just trying to repeat back to you, you guys are, it's not pay to play. So it's no. a, you'll accept any, you'll let allow anybody to post up there. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you, the gap in the market you see is that the pay to play model is maybe not, I don't know, fair or equitable, let's say for those moms and pops. And that's where that was the opportunity that led you to, to start Dwellsy, or, or would you adjust that
2: I, you know, I think it's a question of of, of fairness or or, equi- you know, or, or equity uh, in that way. I think it's more a question of just price and who's willing to pay for what. Uh, and I think the market has seen very, very clearly that most landlords are not willing to pay for ILSs. Um, that's why the ILSs collectively maybe have 15, 20% of the U.S. inventory. If you look across all of them, their inventory has been shrinking in recent years as their prices have gone up and that makes sense for their business. I understand why they're doing it. I look at the public financials like everybody else does, uh, and I can see that they're more profitable than they've ever been, and I'm happy for them. Um, But, you know, we're looking to serve the the overall market in a different way uh, and, you know, really uh, be that destination, you know, if you will, LinkedIn for the space, right? There's lots of other tools you can use to hire people, but everybody goes through LinkedIn as you're in the process of hiring people. And the reason is because everybody's on LinkedIn and every recruiter can go to LinkedIn. And Dwellsy will be a little bit like that, but for uh, rentals.
0: Yeah, the uh, I just got like two questions before I'll pass the read. But um, one is the, the 10 to 20% of inventory you talk about, is that based on, like all all rentals, including single family, or is that more of, okay, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you look at the U.S. rental picture, you know, real ballpark numbers, it's it's one third single family rentals, one third, very small format, multifamily. We're talking the, you know, two to six unit buildings. And then the remaining third is multifamily, which is the world that, you know, I've been uh, most experienced in recently. You all are probably most experienced in, you know, that's where you've got the, you know, not just the the 300 unit building, but also the 20 unit building. Um, and, and that area is reasonably well-served. Um, but fundamentally, if you're going to you know, build something like the ILSs have built, um, you're building an enterprise sales model. There's a reason folks can get away with charging $3,000 to list a community on, on one of those properties and you know, make sure it shows up uh, on page one every, on every search. Um, you know, that's, they're built for that scaled multifamily player, and they serve them very well. Um, I've been a client of those, and you know, I've gotten you know, great leads. Uh, from those platforms they make sense for those folks, but they don't necessarily make sense. And they've they've been unable to kind of compete effectively with the yard sign for the individual single family renter or the very small format uh, multifamily. You know, I used to have a three unit building in Chicago uh, and I rented it on Craigslist back in the day. Now these days I'd be putting a a sign in the window and hoping somebody walked by looking for it.
0: Yeah. um, I guess this is the second half of that question before my final, but um, uh, second half being of the one-third sort of multifamily, like traditional multifamily, as most of us think about, how many of those uh, typically list you think on those major ILSs today? So I'm I'm curious of like when you say 10 to 20% of the market, does that mean that basically like two-thirds of of the traditional multifamily are on the traditional ILSs, but then one-third of those traditional aren't, and then the rest of the two-thirds are basically nowhere to be represented?
2: Yeah. So, you know, if you look at the large scale multifamily, you have to start segmenting out some some cohorts um, and, you know, thinking about, you know, what kind of market. If, if you're a class A building in a major market, you're probably listed on one of the ILSs, maybe two, but usually just one. Um, and if you're offering a class C experience, you know, B minus, C plus, you know, something in that range, then the odds of you listing on one of those uh, platforms is not that high because it's a really tight margin business. Uh, and to be, you know, to use those platforms effectively, you really do need to pay for placement. Um, and you know, being somebody who's showing up on page seventeen of the search results at the minimum price offered just to be present um, is not that value creating, for the most part. Um, you really need to, uh, you know, in my experience and what I hear from the the landlords that I speak to every day, um, you really need to, you know, pay a little bit more in order to get the value from those platforms. And most of those assets just don't have the budget for that. So, you know, if I were to hazard a guess, I'd say probably half of the large-scale multifamily is not an ILS at all. Uh, they're doing other things. Um, but if you're looking at the kind of premium class A that, you know, frankly, most vendors in, in this space want to market to and want to reach, uh, you know, those folks are not going to get, um, you know, are, are going to be mostly on the ILSs.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, the my real last question before I was passing over to Reed, what, uh, what kind of scale have, uh, whatever numbers you're allowed to share, what kind of scale have yeah. you guys gone to today?
2: Yeah. So we've got north of 12 million properties listing with us when they have availability, um, which you know is, is approximately 25% of the U.S. inventory we believe we're the largest listing service that's ever existed um, after Craigslist, of course, uh, back in the day. you know, I, I think, uh, I, I've never been able to verify this, but I think Craigslist had 80 to 90% of the U.S. inventory um, on its platform. Um, and, you know, they're obviously a long way from that today. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're building pretty aggressively and have uh, been just incredibly fortunate by the, you know, the trust and the faith that the industry has put in us and the support that we've gotten from folks across the space. Of course, you know, super high quality leads at zero cost is a pretty compelling value proposition. So it uh, makes it pretty easy for people to say yes. Um, but, you know, that's, that's where we are on that front. And then on the consumer side, um, you know, we've grown the consumer audience by about 40% a month. Uh, this year. Uh, we're still small and you know far cry from the, the big legacy ILSs in terms of traffic, um, but it's building aggressively. And the key for us right now is just managed growth. Um, there's tremendous pull from the marketplace. People want to use Dwellsy, um, and we just need to manage that uh, to make sure we don't disappoint anyone along the way and, and that uh, we provide a great service at every step.
1: Well, maybe... A good time then to ask what the business model is because I agree it's a super <laughs> compelling value proposition, you know, to the landlords and it seems like a great, you know, experience for the consumer. Um, so how does Dwell's make money? Uh, yeah, in the middle of this, because you compared yourself briefly, not compared yourself, but mentioned
2: Craigslist then you mentioned LinkedIn, obviously, one non profit, mm. one for profit. So, yeah. yeah, to the yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think the, the the first thing that that people struggle to wrap their brains around with with um, with our business is that we're not charging for listings. There's no charge for leads. There's no charge for leases. Um, we're not getting involved in the transaction at all. And I I think the you know the central insight there is once you introduce any barrier to people listing with you, um, a lot of people are going to decide not to list with you. Uh, and that was you know we very much saw that um, in my multifamily career and in my single family uh, you know rental career as an individual landlord. Uh, and, you know, we really wanted to remove all the barriers. So that's, uh, that's critical. Um, so what does that mean in terms of uh, how we're actually going to make money? We're going to have a variety of optional services for folks. Um, so, you know, if we get to the point, uh, if we're lucky enough to get to the point where, you know, 80, 90 or more percent of landlords are listing with us, um, we're going to offer a variety of services that help them have a better listing experience that help them market more intelligently, help them really utilize data in the platform uh, in a way that allows them to get more from their assets and offer a better experience to the renter. We'll also offer those services to renters. Um, We have a variety of those products uh, that are coming in the market in the next year, Um, but fundamentally if 5% of the people transacting on the platform pay us something uh, for a value-added service, we've got an enormous business that's tremendously exciting.
1: Yeah, super cool. And I remember you sharing that with us uh, when we first spoke with you. A bit of the Amazon mm-hmm. model, not entirely. though. Yeah. Um, are you guys going to be fulfilling the majority of those services and products or are you kind of securing like strategic partners now? We just mm-hmm. actually had uh, Everett uh, Lynn, who mm-hmm. uh, is CEO and founder of Minify. And he yeah. seems like he could be a great fit for Dwellsy, but didn't know if you guys were planning to take most of that on yourself.
2: Yeah, no, completely love Everett. He's a fabulous guy and been really impressed with what amenify has done. Um, yeah, you know, we, we view ourselves as uh, there's a couple of different opportunities that our platform will present. Um, you know, number one, there's services that we'll be able to offer that nobody else will be able to offer because of the the nature of the business and for those kind of products, we'll offer them ourselves. Um, there's another, there's kind of a, a delicate line that needs to be maintained. Um, we, we need to be, um, if this isn't too fine a point, uh, you know, kind of Switzerland in the industry, we need to be pro renting without taking sides between renters and landlords. So there's a lot of services out there where, you know, for example, I think the, the rhinos of the world do a, a fabulous service um, around um, replacing security deposits and that kind of product, we definitely look for partners to be able to offer that service because fundamentally you're kind of, you know, picking sides and getting involved in the battle uh, when the battle does arise. Uh, and we don't want to be in that situation. So we'll look for partners in those situations. But we um, are also going to be um, you know, providing access to uh, landlords on our platform for people who want to sell to them uh, and to renters for people who want to sell to them as well.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of got in front of my follow-up, which was when you look at that pie chart and not to obsess here about the numbers mm-hmm. or finances, yeah. how much of that is products and services directed towards consumer versus landlord, as you mentioned, kind of the two opportunities there. Uh, yeah. You have. More to sell into, theoretically, with consumer, but obviously it could be more buying power and an easier path forward, like with uh, products and services directed at the landlords.
2: Yeah. You know, I think um, the majority of our business model, the overwhelming majority of the business model will be, um, you know, consumer-like in nature, um, which is to say, you know, renters um, will be an important part of our business model. They have to be our customer. Um, We need to serve them. Um, you know, one of, one of the challenges um, that the ILSs have had is that uh, the landlord is very clearly their customer. The property manager is very clearly their customer. The renter is the product. Um, and so uh, in doing that, you know, their their platforms reflect that. And for us, um, the the renter needs to be the customer. Um, so we will have products and services that are, that are sold to them. But, you know, it's not going to be a huge percentage of our overall revenue. I think the biggest percentage of our revenue in the long run will actually be the mom and pop landlords. They need a ton of help uh, to make sure they're, you know, in the right place and doing great stuff. Uh, And there's a lot of different things that we'd be able to offer them. Um, You know, the institutional scale landlords are pretty well served by a lot of other folks. And I see in that situation us really getting involved in channel partnerships and, um, you know, doing our best to play well well with others uh, across the space and, you know, profit from making introductions and uh, referrals and other things. Uh, rather than offering direct services to the institutional folks. I think they'll also, you know, like the, like the renters themselves, they'll be a minority of our uh, revenues in the long run.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll make sense. So next question is around, uh, I guess, competitors. I think you clearly already kind of laid out how you guys are unique, but if this model is successful as it already seems like it's starting to become, um, would you expect and ultimately welcome competitors? Like, you know, um, with Dwellsy, because we've said that ourselves with our own platform, it's like sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes it's not. Um, and then uh, why hasn't this happened sooner is also a question I have. And that almost takes me back to where when David is first introducing you uh, and you mentioned you know, that you've been in the space for a while. I didn't hear the light bulb moment. I didn't know if it was a slow discovery or realization that there was an opportunity here or whether it hits you over the head or in the middle of the night. Um, but that kind of connects somewhat to what you're
2: expecting if Dwellsy is, is successful. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, kind of two parts to that I'll tackle the, uh, the competitive piece first, uh, you know, welcome competition always. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of different people who are out there trying to help, uh, renters and trying to help property managers and landlords. And, um, you know, competition is just always essential to keeping us all strong and healthy, um, and absent that. Um, you know, people get weak and companies get weak. So I think competition is always a good, um, uh, thing to have, even though you might get frustrated with it in the moment. Um, you know, for us in terms of light bulb moment, you know, I can, I can, trace back to, um, my time at Essex. There were a few things that I spotted, um, simultaneously that, uh, just shocked me. You know, number one, I saw our lead volume from Craigslist go to zero. Um, and I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, didn't go exactly to zero, but it went pretty darn close to zero and for, we could not figure out what was happening because it just seemed implausible that Craigslist was no longer a viable source. It had been 50% or more of our lead volume at many of our properties and some of our highest quality lead volume too. And we were incredibly invested in Craigslist as a, as a source. Uh, we had people across the entire system trained to use Craigslist in you know a somewhat optimal way, and uh, the resources put behind it were huge um, so when that changed, um, it completely took us by surprise and it seemed implausible um so but I saw that, and then I also um, did a bunch of focus groups at one point trying to understand the consumer acquisition cycle, which is, you know, the the kind of luxury that you get at a big company that you really don't get at any kind of smaller property management platform. Um, But I just remember talking to folks who uh, had, you know, were on their third or fourth rental search in their, you know, career as a renter, um, and talking about how they were reminiscing about how easy the rental search used to be, and how excruciating it was now. Um, And, you know, I then went out and started talking to renters at every one of our properties to try to understand you know how we at Essex, where I was could get in front of them better and what I found is that there was no place that they were going anymore they were terrified of Craigslist for obvious reasons um you know they're mostly driving around neighborhoods um and doing Google searches to find things so that got me into s e o and s e m and trying to figure that out and talk about painful and expensive um you know if you you know <laughs> local SEO and and local search, like y'all are experts there and I'm glad folks have you uh, to help them because it is really hard and you can spend a lot of money very unproductively down that path if you don't know what you're doing. And we spent a lot of money very unproductively uh, back in the day trying to figure that out without help from experts like y'all. So, you know, seeing that, uh, it just seemed like, wow, you know, these folks are um, always going to have struggles with SEO and SEM. Uh, Craigslist is no longer the presence. You no longer have to be a Craigslist killer. Um, you actually have to um, you know figure out how to get in front of the renter and the renter doesn't know where to go anymore to find rentals. Uh, and you know I talked to a few people in the industry trying to get them to start this, and nobody would. Um, so I was actually uh, raging to a friend in, in the industry, another property manager. Um, about this and he's like wow you're really charged up about that you're a lot more charged up about that than you are about property management maybe you should go do that and three <laughs> hours later uh, made the call to go do
0: it. so here I am uh, that's cool Reed um, I heard Jonas say he's happy for the ILSs because they're so profitable I heard him say that he's happy that people have us to do work and he built I'll call it still an ILS that doesn't charge anything What? something smells fishy I don't get it <laughs> Right, and there's yeah, you really know, like, a look, one
2: that's actually making money. Yeah, every renter out there is going to have their own process, right? And and every community is going to need to get in front of that renter and and find their audience, and they're going to need help along the way. And you know, the goal is for Dwalsy to be an essential piece, and frankly, to give folks like you a bunch of extra tools that you can use to help your clients more effectively, and for your clients to be able to get tools as well that they can use. Um, But there's always going to be a high level of sophistication at the, you know, at the, you know, high end of this industry um, that needs folks like you. And there's always going to be folks out there who uh, need more traffic than Dwellsey will be able to drive. Maybe it's a lease up. Maybe it's just a, you know, chronically um, oversupplied market. Maybe they're trying to get higher uh, rents than the market might justify, but that's part of their strategy. Um, you know, those are all reasons why somebody might want a lot more traffic and, uh, the ILSs have historically been really good at helping in that kind of situation. And I have no reason to expect they won't continue to do that in the future.
1: Well, that, that was, uh, as you were talking through that and that kind of shock first with what was happening with Craigslist, but then as you did those focus groups and, and hearing that the renters were really more aggravated than ever and how to find a new home or apartment, um, that surprises me a little, meaning, you know, go to the internet, uh and i'm not trying to simplify this too much but then Mm -hmm. um how has dwellsey changed um that equation and i'm not trying to make you retread but just unpack a little bit more for us because you know right now as david said it it would appear at at the surface that there's not huge differentiation between the experience of going to dwellsey and going to apartments.com fair or not fair so uh Mm -hmm. feel free to jump into that but um Therefore, yeah, what, what is Dwellsey doing to make it that much better
2: or easier for um, renters to, to find a home than before Dwellsey? Yeah, yeah. So uh, fair, completely fair. Um, and it's been very intentional. Uh, you know, one of the reasons um, we built Dwellsey the way we, wanted it. we, we built it is because we felt like it needed to be familiar uh, to people and it needed to feel um, comfortable and safe. Um, and so, you know, we, we view, um, the opportunity in the future for incremental improvement, um, starting from where we are today. Um, you know, in terms of how we've changed the search today, it's too early to say my, my ego would be way too big if I said that we've dramatically changed the nature of the search today. Uh, I think we're on a path to, uh, do that, but we've not yet done that. Um, you know, as I understand it, the the renter's search generally starts at Google. Um, If you are an affluent renter, um, you know, if you just graduated from college and you've got a good job lined up somewhere, um, you're probably going to be really well served by one of the class A apartment communities that um, shows up high in the search or one of the um, traditional listing services that shows up high in the search. Um, You know, that you know, we think it's the top 8% by affluence of, of renters is, is pretty well served by the existing marketplace. Um, the next 90%, uh, is not well served and generally they get frustrated on Google. They go offline and they start walking communities. And within that 90%, I'd include not, you know, not just the, um, slightly less affluent folks. Um, but also the people who want inventory. That's a little more interesting. Um, that's not, you know, in a 300 unit community where it's beautiful and it's incredibly well managed, but it's all the same. Um, you know, I was that renter. I wanted a cool loft on the west side of Chicago um, and I could afford something nice. And, you know, I looked really hard. And I looked for months to find the right place. And I found, you know, this great place that I loved and it was it was wonderful. But that's that renter is very poorly served today uh, on the internet. That renter is out walking the streets uh, right now looking for a for rent sign. Um, and you know, we aim to get in front of that renter and serve that renter. Uh, and we're working hard to do that. And every month it gets better every month. We serve more of those folks.
1: Yeah. Well, I keep going on that one, but I want to allow us to get to some other areas. And mm-hmm. one before I turn it back to David is Facebook marketplace. Where do you see that? Uh, what's the relationship there? We, we know a huge change happened here in early September. Um, and then eliminating aggregators or the opportunity to just, bulk upload if you will uh post so uh yeah. is that uh, a important source of traffic or um if you guys well yeah i'll just let you answer
2: yeah so you know you all know much more about facebook marketplace than than we do um we've not done any work with them um you know we don't we don't upload uh listings anywhere um is uh we don't syndicate our listings to any other platforms um and, you know, Facebook Marketplace is not now, nor would I expect it to be in the future, a source of traffic for us. Um, so we've kind of been, uh, away from all of the change there. And we haven't, uh, you know, we've heard about it tangentially, but it hasn't been a part of our, of our business. Um, you know, obviously Facebook's an enormous platform, uh, and, you know, great service in a lot of different ways, but, um, you know, it's also challenging um you know I know uh, they've had some fraud issues they've had some fair housing issues they've had some other um issues on that platform and so you know i think everybody just has to be really careful um when they're working with it and make sure they're working with it safely um yeah i but,
1: totally agree and it you know people have made a lot of comparisons it to craigslist it's the new craigslist but it you know, some say a little better quality some say same same old stuff just different platform um but you mentioned that you guys don't syndicate anywhere uh i Clearly, that has to be intentional. So, can you talk to us a little bit more about the choice not to syndicate any listings? Is that all an SEO play, or is there other reasons that you guys uh, and I think maybe you just got at it a little bit as far as why you wouldn't want to be or decided not to be a part of a Facebook Marketplace? But any other commentary there as far as the decision not to syndicate your yeah, list-
2: you know, I think the the traditional rationale for syndicating is because you're selling leads, and so if you can find a more efficient, you know, if you can get somebody to your platform for five bucks um, and then, you know, sell their lead for 15 to a property manager, then you want to syndicate the heck out of your content. You know, if that's your business model, then you should share your content everywhere. That's not our business model. We want the renter to have an exceptional experience. We want the landlord to have a high quality lead, um, that helps them get their place rented. Um, you know, we don't want, um, to generate low quality traffic. We don't want to, Um, Take what is, you know, incredibly valuable um, asset that we've worked hard to build, which is our relationship with our landlords um, and with property managers who list with us and make that subject to the whims of another platform that we can't control that might do totally great stuff with that content, but might also not. Um, So I'd rather be able to, um, you know, look that property manager in the eye and let them know that, you know, we're, they can trust that you know, what they see on Dwellsy is, is the experience that they're going to have and that we can control the experience for the renters. So they know if they're going through Dwellsy, um, it's high quality, um, high trust experience for them as well. Yeah. Cool.
1: It makes sense. Well, Dave and I do this to each other. I'll say, I got one more question and then he'll, We'll ask you eighteen, and then I'll wait. Uh, but my final one for now is: uh, What's the tipping point, if you don't mind sharing, um, as far as when those products will start to be released, or are they already starting to be released, as far as the monetization? Because Facebook itself, everybody you know knows, uh, did not open up, to, you know, or create an ad platform for whatever seven, ten years, <laughs> you know, etc. And there's a lot of businesses that that take that approach. So, are you guys uh, already releasing products, or is that uh, something that we should expect
2: in 2022 2023 uh we're definitely already releasing products um we are um you know a little like facebook actually was talking to somebody the other day who compared us to facebook which i thought was very generous because uh, i don't think we're quite as sexy as they were um, at this you know two and a half years into their development um but the um the you know the first products are out there we have an instant text alert product for renters um that helps them be first in To find out about a rental and potentially first to see it and first to uh, apply, which as we all know in this industry makes a huge difference between getting the place and not getting the place, particularly when you're dealing with that long tail inventory, that unusual inventory. Um, So that's one of our first products. Um, We've uh, just started experimenting with advertising on the site. Uh, You know, you get up to serving a few million page views a month and, you know, it starts to be interesting. Um, So we're experimenting there. We've also experimenting with some early partnerships with some uh, major brands where we uh, know we can drive traffic to them, either on the renter side or the landlord side. Um, So we're in the, you know, kind of experimentation phase on the revenue uh, front, Um, and we will continue to introduce products over the course of, you know, the coming years ahead. Uh, But, you know, the focus initially was on, you know, we wanted to have a great supply um, experience for renters when they came on the platform, and be able to do some things that you know haven't really been able. People haven't really been able to do before. You know, we're, we're maniacal about um, trust and safety on our platform, and we call a lot of listings um, that we see out there on other sites that we just don't know if they're legit or not. They're probably legit, but there's enough fraud in the space that you know we want to be really careful and really safe. Um, we're also maniacal about availability. We don't show stale units if we can prevent it in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, I know as a multifamily manager, I wanted my stale units shown um, because it drove traffic. And it wasn't necessarily high quality traffic, but the site teams liked it uh, because somebody came in asking about, oh, you know, has this unit that's facing the pool available? no but i've got this one you know that's across from the you know trash bins you might be interested in it um you know it gives them a chance to show that harder to rent unit Uh, but for the renter that's not a great experience and it's also you know relatively lower odds of getting something rented um so you know we are pretty aggressive on that and we knew we needed a really deep supply to be able to offer that experience um so you know we we focused on that early on and now for the past year you know 2021 really for us has been about um, onboarding renters, and we've really focused hard on that and have grown uh, from, you know, standing start at the beginning of the year to, you know, as I mentioned, you know, 40% per month, uh, serving millions of pages a month now. It's, it's pretty exciting.
0: And Jonas, I heard, um, well, the first product sounded like it would be something a consumer would pay for, like the, mm-hmm. the early at text yeah. alert. So how what are you what, what are you experimenting with for a cost model there, and how hard is it to get someone to say, I'll put in my credit card for a $2 charge so you can text me first or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we're experimenting. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a bunch of our early products are, have never existed before. And that's an example of them. Um, so anytime you're offering a new product that has never been available before, it's um, a challenge to get consumers used to the idea of it. Um, but we've definitely been uh, getting people signing up for it and putting in their credit card and, and buying it. We, we're experimenting with different pricing on it. Um is it five bucks a month? Is it you know one price for a year? Um, you know what's what's the right approach? We've tried a few different things. We'll keep trying things on that. Um, yeah, that's... you know one of the fun things about being a startup is you can try lots of different stuff and see what sticks.
0: yeah, well, that's cool because uh well that you're actually trying to monetize part of that side, but that does those microtransactions just. I told you, I think before we start, I, I don't envy you trying to get into the hitting consumers. I think Reed would have more fun there than me. But the microtransactions, Reed has talked <laughs> to many times about before. Um, I had a, a good idea. Which part? Microtransactions <laughs> yes, generally. Microtransactions. I'm yeah. A big believer. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, and you've brought up high, higher quality leads on Dwellsy a couple different times. So what? Why do you think that is? That well, first of all, what what data could you give the audience about? why you think your leads are higher quality and then why do you think they are higher quality?
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're built for the ground up to provide a really high experience, a really high quality experience for everybody involved. Um, and you know, that has a couple of different benefits and and also a, a really rigorous trust infrastructure. So, um, there's a few things that, um, others, uh, haven't done. And then a few things that just collectively nobody's ever done before. Um, so, you know, first it's pure organic search. The renter finds what they are looking for nothing else. There's no paid placement. Um, they're not looking at the latest lease up every time they do a search, even though they're not, you know, even though they're looking for that loft on the West side of Chicago and, you know, they're seeing the lease up in Elgin, you know, that's not, uh, what they're looking for. And that's just going to result in a low quality lead for that landlord might make sense. You know, and I, you know, I bought some traffic to make the front office happy in my day. So I know how that goes. Um, but, you know, from our perspective, we want it, we want the renters to be able to find what they want and the landlords to get a high quality lead. So that's at the core of it. Um, you know, the, the next thing is just making sure that every renter is verified on the platform. Um, that we know this is a real person. It's not a bot. Um, it's a person who's actually made the effort to verify who they are. Um, And, you know, I think that's really important um, just to make sure that landlords can trust who they're dealing with and that, um, again, that person shows intent beyond just, oh, yeah, maybe I'm interested. I'll, I'll, you know, click a button um, and or I'll, you know, just figure out when uh, they look at a listing. I know some of the listing services out there, if you look at a listing on it, you're counted as a lead. And that's not the case on dwells that you actually have to submit an inquiry. And we've intentionally erected a little bit of a process there. So it's not just click a button, submit an inquiry. Um, we want you to have the chance to customize your um, lead inquiry form to that landlord, ask any questions that you might have. Um, and that's very intentional, both to improve the lead quality, give the landlord a little bit more information, give the renter the opportunity uh, to provide a little more information um, and make sure that it's not an accidental um, inquiry, um, which, you know, the number, I, I stood up a contact center um, in my past life at Essex, and the number of renters I talked to who are like, why are you calling me? Oh, yeah, maybe I did click a button. You know, and they just had no idea that they submitted an inquiry. We paid 15 bucks for that inquiry. Um, you know, that was not an experience we wanted to offer. Um, so there's a number of other things we're doing, but those are some of the things at the core um, yeah. that make it a higher quality inquiry.
0: Yeah, some some friction uh, helps eliminate a lot of the garbage. Although, so and, and if you think back to our incentive structure, um, we don't get paid for
2: that inquiry. Um, we want everybody to have a great experience. That's our incentive. Um, it's not... Uh, if we make it a little bit easier and we can juice inquiries by 10%, that means our income will go up by 10%. Different different, different structure.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say it's interesting, though, that apartment lists, we often hear create some of the, I don't want to say worse leads, but just lead fatigue because so many of those aren't qualified. And mm-hmm. yet it feels, for me, when I went through the process mm-hmm. for relatively early and it took me 20 minutes to finally get my, I'll say, application through. <laughs> And so you'd think that they would have the most qualified, but maybe you know, a big part of this is the paid versus organic traffic. I mean, it's just one piece of the equation, but maybe it's a bigger part than I realized, because um, I always felt like apartment list, given my own experience, would uh, would produce super high qualified leads, um, just because you put so much investment. Therefore, your point, Jonas, about just being verified, knowing mm-hmm. that we're dealing with a real person that has intent. What person is willing to spend 20 minutes, like, <laughs> answering yeah. all the questions that our apartment list poses? And yet, again, we hear time and again from our clients that they just get flooded with poor leads from apartment list, and yeah. I'm not trying to take a shot. I'm just being frank yeah. here.
2: No, and I give them a lot of credit for, um, you know, it, without really changing the business model of the space, really trying to take a different approach um, and offer a different value proposition for the renter, and and really try to hone in. Um, You know, I think the challenge for any of the traditional ILSs is is like you get to the end of whatever process they have, whether it's a super lean process or a 20 minute robust intake process. And it's kind of all the same stuff. It's like a selection of large scale multifamily. Um, And, you know, you. I remember one of the major ILSs, um, you know, we, we narrowed down when I was at Essex from uh, we were using uh, most of our properties, three or four ILSs. And as the prices went up and up and up, we, we found ourselves having to go down uh, and we were only at one ILS by the time I left uh, most of our properties, except, you know, a couple of problem uh, properties or lease ups where we were on multiples. Um, and one of the ILSs left our inventory on theirs for nine months. Um, under the theory that we were negotiating an extension, we weren't. Um, but they left it up there. And I, I remember having a conversation with my sales rep at a conference and it's like, well, why are we still up? He's like, well, and he had a drink or two. Um, he's like, well, we actually need your inventory. You know, you guys have great stuff and you help us get to a level of um, inventory in your markets that gives the renter enough uh, to look at, to stay interested. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you my inventory for free. Uh, if you want to leave it up there, um, and it went, came down the next week, screw uh, on my part. But
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that.
2: that's that's the game they're playing, right? And 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 I understand that, right? They've got to find that right balance of like maximizing pricing, um, but at the same time, you know, they can't scare off all the landlords. They have to have that balance between price and supply. But if you're a renter going through that process and you get to the end of it, and you just see a collection of big multifamily assets that are all similar in in many ways. Um, you know, the odds of them being able to fulfill your needs at that point are relatively low.
0: Yeah, I've heard that same uh, anecdote from multiple companies where they pull their stuff and it's left up. And I always thought of it like in billboard advertising when they have overage that it's just like uh, because I think some of it is the negotiation play to say like, well, do you really want us to turn this off? But I think sometimes as big as these companies are, they're not as automated about pulling stuff down as need be. So someone has to take effort to actually discontinue right. something. And it's like, I'm busy, don't want to. And next thing you know, it's been nine months. So um, yeah. I, I wanted to go uh, quickly back to the, you mentioned it sounded like, so you've monetized some of the consumers and you're also testing some B2B monetization. And it sounded like uh, some is just probably programmatic advertising hitting the site, but some of it sounded like you may have some sort of something to help drive traffic to certain property management companies if they if they want. Is that is that true or did I... Miss, okay, I mis-forecast.
2: No, yeah, we 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 don't have anything uh, like that um, at this point. Um, you know, we may at some point. You know, if you think about kind of Google circa 2010, 2012, um, where there was you know two or three sponsored results in the search results, um, we've envisioned a possibility of offering something like that at some point. And um, uh, you know, but uh, you know, kind of reserving judgment on whether that makes sense. I think the core. Uh, of the value proposition for renters is that they need to be able to find what they're looking for and have an experience that's driven by them, not the other way around. Um, so uh, we never want the advertising to get in the way of that, but you know, will there be an opportunity for a lease up to, you know, buy a sponsored listing at some point? I, w- I wouldn't rule that out.
0: Yeah. Well uh, don't you're about to wind read up and set them off. Cause uh, I think we did a prior podcast episode and like, if we built an ILS, what would it look like? And he was just like, rip the Google model. What, you know, why would you do anything differently? Um, but they seem to have figured a few things out. Yeah, yeah. Um, going to the, you mentioned a, a lot of what you focus on seems to be the small landlord, uh, at least for your, your this conversation and those unique units and not the typical 300 unit building or whatever. How do you, how can you, so how have you gotten to the scale that you have with the 12 million units that you're talking about? And, and in particular, a lot of it is these smaller mom and pop landlords because you don't have the sales team to get it. They may not have the integrations to pull you, to send you the inventory and yeah, a lot of that seems like, well, wouldn't the other of I- ILS has already taken their inventory like a Zillow or something, which is also kind of a unique bird to me, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, just talk us how you've gotten to that scale. And that may help, yeah. help me just, I don't know, visualize this whole thing and how you plan to continue to yeah. go to market.
2: Uh, you know, I just want to start by being very clear. We love the multifamily world. Uh, our renters love the multifamily world. Um, they're getting great, um, leads through our platform, um, and the reason I, I really want to make a point there is is that um, it, it's not that they are more than or less than. It's that the the renter who's out there. And I remember so clearly, you know, back to the contact center experience, and I, I took hundreds of calls sitting on the contact center desk, and you know, participating in the training of of our contact center agents and everything, and. The number of callers I talked to who were, you know, just think about the Bay Area, you know, I remember this one gentleman I talked to who sticks with me, who was considering a single family rental in Fremont, considering our two bedroom place in San Mateo, which is like 40 miles away from Fremont, or considering a walk up in San Francisco. And that is not an unusual renter Spectrum of decisions, and you know, he maybe I'll be closer to family. Maybe I'll be closer to home. Maybe I'll be closer to um, my work. Maybe I'll live with roommates. Maybe I won't. Um, renters consider the full spectrum, and I think that anybody who's going to serve them needs to have the full spectrum of rental opportunities for them in one place. Um, so, you know, really important to have multifamily as part of that picture, as well as uh, the single family and the and the small format multifamily as well. Um, you know, as I think about how we've uh, onboarded um, listings onto the platform, you know, first and foremost, you got to understand how the system works and, and work within it. Uh, that's been core to our uh, platform. We've been fortunate to have great partnerships with the major property management software companies um, and gotten those integrations in place quickly uh, and been able to make it so that um, either we've gotten all of their inventory um, from their uh, underlying customers or uh, it's a simple one click. For customers to um, add their listings to Dwellsy, um, and then I've just i've talked to <laughs> i've talked to a lot of people. I, I ran the numbers the other day. I think I've talked to over twenty one hundred property managers in the last two years. I've done over twenty one hundred uh, calls with folks just asking them to list with Dwellsy. Um, you know, and you know sometimes it takes people a little while to get used to the idea, uh, but at the end of the day, it's free high quality leads, so it doesn't take that much time to get used to it. Uh, I've only uh, i've only gotten one no so far. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of people I'm working on, but only one now. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah. I, I
1: was going to ask the other half if David wasn't about to, but so you helped us understand how you got all the inventory, but how are you growing renters at 40%? Um, is it a shotgun approach? Is it, you know, more prescriptive? Like, is there certain geographies that you're you're really uh, seeing a lot of momentum on and then kind of letting it organically build from there? But if you're not using any paid search tactics, um, it, yeah, it just... Begs the question, how are you able to grow the renter side as quickly as you have?
2: Um, We are, you know, we are experimenting with all different channels. Uh, So we're experimenting with paid search and paid social um, and, you know, seeing what it means to acquire people through those platforms. um, You know, we have a full, robust content management, uh, content uh, marketing strategy, um, social media strategy, um, you know, and and we've probably been a little too scattershot. um, You could say that, but uh, we've also experimented with a lot of different channels and been surprised at times by what has worked and what hasn't. And, you know, things that didn't seem to be working turned out to be contributing in different ways often. Um, so we've tried a lot of different things and, you know, it's just kind of the, the cumulative building of all of those things. I, I will say, you know, one huge advantage that we have that I didn't have when I was a property manager is we're a national player. Um, you know, we, we learned early on, That highly geographically targeted marketing is very expensive. Um, So you know it was an early decision to be national in scope. Uh, The original hypothesis was that we should try this in a couple of markets, but the reality of the large-scale property managers and the property management software companies is they are not local. Um, They usually span at minimum two, three, four markets or more, Um, and so it it just made sense for us with you know very quickly developing nationwide inventory. Um, and, uh, the realization that national campaigns were dramatically cheaper, um, to just do that. Um, but we're constantly managing the balance between organic and, uh, paid acquisition. And we always want to make sure that we're, um, attentive to the organic growing because fundamentally that's the foundation, um, that we, where we need to be successful in the long run.
1: Sure. Well, um, I'll lead me then to the demographics and... You said there's a broad spectrum. I think you already pointed that out, but, um, you know, McDonald's marketing to the to the kids, right? <laughs> so for Dwellsy, have, have you put much focus on college, you know, uh, colleges, young, younger, uh, you know, the millennials, etc., whatever, um, to try and get them introduced to the brand and had much success with that? Or uh, you mentioned geographically, we can't concentrate, but what about demographically, um, how you guys have been thinking about it?
2: Yeah, you know, within within the constraints of, of you know fair housing, um, right. which is always yeah, in mind.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Reed um, was trying um, you to catch you. He was about <laughs> to turn you in. We <laughs> <laughs> used like a, a podcast and a forty five minute interview so that he could de- get to that, and you yeah. you sailed yeah. over. Yeah. You'd hear the yeah. person, you'd waste hear, of time. You'd hear the siren go off. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, so you know, obviously, we all know how risky fair housing is. You know, you all have a great product that uh, helps people with that, um, cool. and uh, you know. So I think um, it's a delicate balance because the reality is um, every segment of American society is a renter. Um, you know, in general, people who are younger tend to rent at a higher velocity rate. They just move more often. Um, and so um, you know, uh, you know, we were chatting before the the conversation I mentioned we were on the Millennial Money Podcast. Like it's a great audience for us to be in front of, uh, because those folks are in kind of peak renting years, um, and they're moving frequently, um, and they're thinking about new markets and, you know, it's a, it's a great audience to be in front of, uh, but we really have worked hard to have a broad appeal. Um, you know, I think we all know, you know, 30% of renters are over 50, um, 40 something, 42, 43% of, uh, rental households have children in them. Um, so we've actually, you know, we, we are trying to have that very broad marketing perspective you know you think about it as we're marketing an airline or we're marketing any other kind of broad-based consumer uh product Um, we really um do want to be the product that every renter uses uh and that's both freeing as well as constraining um you know it can get pretty expensive to target everybody um but it also allows you to relax a little bit about you know certain personas and that sort of thing yeah well i give an a plus for that response Jonas. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Extremely well handled. Yeah, <laughs>
2: well I managed fair housing for sixty thousand units. So I've, yeah. you know, I've, you I've been tell. around the block once or twice.
0: <laughs> well, um going back to second to the to the small mom and pop. If you're at twenty five percent, I think you were saying twenty five percent of the market. You think you cover now, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. um How do you guys have this like long term goal of? realistic goal of like 60 percent 70 percent because you're you said you already think you cover more than the other ILSs. and then how what's it going to take for you to get there because jonas can't call i don't know how many uh, more (laughs) property managers in the next whatever five years but twenty one hundred. well yeah he did 2100 already but for him to get to 100 percent inventory yeah i'm a calling machine
2: you know i keep going uh no like look there's there's way too many people out there for me to call as much as i i'd love to chat with everyone um there's Ten million individual landlords in this country. You know, if you think about the rough construct, we talked about it in, in terms of single-family rentals and small format, and large format, multifamily. Uh, another way of looking at the market is is professionally managed versus uh, individually managed. You know, you're you're kind of mom and pop in the in in the um, dialect of our space, um, and and those folks, you know, they're owning, operating, dealing with the day-to-day issues, and they're getting their place rented, and that's 10 million, ten million, ten and a half million individuals across the country managing, you know, 22, 23 million apartments and and rental homes. Um, and that's a consumer strategy, uh, to get those folks on board. And so that for us is, is probably our, our, our biggest 2022 initiative, um, is to, you know, really make sure that we serve that audience. They're, they're finding us in huge numbers already. Um, actually funny story when we first built out our, um, our initial, um, uh, platform, and we didn't have any listings on it in any material way in the beginning. We built a, um, a really rudimentary tool to allow us to enter listings ourselves, um, just so that we could have some test data in there. And word got out on a, a mom and pop renter rental forum uh, about it, and people were uploading before we knew it. We had dozens of listings um, that people had found. <laughs> I don't know how they found it, uh, but they found our back door and uploaded their listings. There's huge demand for this. Um, for a, you know safe trustworthy place where people can at zero cost um, get the word out uh, so we're pretty excited to meet that demand
0: yeah well how do you prevent because um, we've heard of those things in certain markets like New York and Chicago but we've heard that there's some issues with duplicate listings because you'll get brokers that start apl- like putting up multiple things so how are you guys handling the duplicate listing issue then
2: yeah uh, my my Product team would kill me if I went into all the details on that because uh, there's some rocket science involved. Um, but you know, duplicate listings are an enormous problem in the space. Um, you know, I think the, the brokers can provide a wonderful service um, in the right circumstance, um, but when when they're listing the same property, you know, 250 times in Chicago, uh, it drives us a little bit bonkers. Um, so we have a lot of different uh, strategies and, and techniques to deal with that. Um, you know, I think the, the most important is that um, we're working to resolve back to. Um, A single listing per unit. And really, you know, the property manager or, you know, property manager broadly defined, um, or the property manager's, um, assignee needs to be the one getting that lead. Um, so if you've hired a broker to rep your place, great. Um, that person should be getting the lead. If you are representing it yourself, then you should be getting the lead on our platform. Um, and we're going to be working really hard in the years to come to make sure that that's the case.
0: Yeah, I think the it sort of goes back to the whole if you guys aren't selling leads, less of an issue for you because other people sell leads, they don't really care about all the duplicate listings. No, duplicate um,
2: listings are are great in that
0: situation because you yeah. can
2: sell the same lead a couple of times sometimes.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears with my next line of questioning. So if you have anything else on Dwellsy itself, uh, I'm gonna go on a left turn.
1: Yeah. Two, okay. <laughs> then I'm gonna squeeze these two two in. Um, Safe and trustworthy, does that plateau before you get to your goal of 80, 90%? Because I feel like you have to acknowledge that some of that would be compromised, you know, were you to get to that kind of scale. And I, I could be wrong in that assumption, but isn't that part of what did happen uh, with the Craigslist? Is if, if you, because 25%, and, and I'm not saying that that is where it should plateau or, or but wouldn't there be some relationship there as far as having that much scale and volume that you would then potentially be compromising the, the integrity the quality that you keep referring to. So that's one. And then my second part of that somewhat connected. So that's why I'm asking at the same time. I have a habit of doing that, Jonas, in case you couldn't tell already uh, is the experience that you, you also keep referring to. Do you guys stop short? um, Like after you've made the match, let's say between landlord and renter, um, or are you trying to further that experience, or I'll say take some ownership in what happens afterwards? Because there's so much technology hitting these days that are trying to, you know, uh, from the time that you first contact to all the way uh, when you're actually leasing the apartment um, that's flooding the market. And I would think a lot of the type of inventory you're talking about, as David mentioned, integrations and, you know, that they aren't necessarily. Focused as much on Dwellsy as they are, um, you know some of some of the traditional ILSs or other you know pay-to-play like platforms because they're working more exclusively with that higher-end multifamily like customer. So both of them are somewhat related to quality. But first, one is my question: Are you worried at all, or do you just kind of anticipate having to make some compromises as you continue to bring on more and more volume on the quality? Second question is that that experience. How much are you guys committed to the
2: entire experience of of, of a renter? Yeah so um, we are we are uh, as much as possible uncompromising on quality and trust um, you know I think at, at the core of Craigslist and you know you, you can read a, a gazillion of of Craig's interviews on this topic he believes internet anonymity is a right um, I do not believe that anonymity is a right in the rental process if you want to rent your place anonymously, then you can do it on somebody else's service. Um, you know That's at the core of what we're doing. Um, we are facilitating the connection between human beings who know who each other is. Um, and we're taking a wide variety of steps to make sure that it's real people dealing with real people. Um, and as a result of that, there are going to be some folks who won't want to list their property uh, on Dwellsey. And so, you know, when you talk about getting to eighty, ninety percent, um, the ten or fifteen percent of people will miss will be those folks. Um, not that there's in space to provide some spacing. I don't know that every landlord wants to have their personal cell phone um, out on the internet associated with the listing, but there's ways to work around that while still assuring that the landlord is who they say they are. Um, and same goes for the renters. Um, so, the hot take.
0: I was that was actually one of my questions coming up. So. <laughs> Go ahead
1: David just so you know David loves his hot takes and you know, okay. where you're being contrarian and you just a uh, nice little dig at Craig <laughs> uh,
2: you know
0: look I'm like, it's you know, not the, a I I yeah guys go to behemoth
2: and yeah, you know yeah. you, like that is a that is a huge um, that, that is a, a huge and important question is like how important is anonymity and what's the trade off between anonymity and fraud uh-huh. And we are very clear that our perspective is: we are going to minimize fraud, have a very safe platform, and we're going to give up anonymity um, on uh, in that pursuit. Uh-huh. Um, so, from a from a fraud standpoint, I, I believe we'll be able to stick to our um, our guns there without, you know, really um, sacrificing too much. But that will <laughs> be a challenge. Um, that you know, well, the fraudsters are endlessly creative, uh, so we'll always have to work to uh, make sure that uh, we 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 keep the platform safe. In, in terms of pushing up into the property managers' operations, um, we do not want to be in the property management software business. It's a great business. I have tremendous respect for the artists the intradas, the Affolias, all of those folks who are great at doing that. Man, that's hard work, um, and each property manager builds their business around the way that they think it's best to serve their renters and within the context of the property management software that they have chosen and the options that that property management software uh, provides them with. And we have the utmost respect for those professionals doing their jobs in their way. We have no interest in trying to go into that space. Uh, We think there's lots of great work and opportunity in, in uh, you know, making the match between renters and landlords up front um, and then handing it off uh, to those folks to be able to offer the great service that they have the potential to offer uh, to those renters um, from there on out and to run their business the way they want to run their business.
1: Cool.
2: Well, Well, left
0: turn. Here we go. Well, he started with hot take. So uh, Jonas, this whole conversation that you had over a beer or whatever with another property manager that said, you're so passionate, you should do this. Uh, I imagine there were some other hot takes in there. So pick one or two of those that you're willing to share, but things that you you just feel like the industry gets wrong or that you're contrarian about. You know,
2: I, goodness, it, it's hard to know where to start on that one. Um, you know, I've been around this industry for a bunch of different years and there's a lot of uh, different things I really love about it. You know, I think the the biggest opportunity that the industry as a whole has is to really follow the uh, consumer product um, direction that our society has gone in and recognize that the renter is used to buying things and be served as a consumer. And I think there's a lot of money to be made, to be blunt, by serving that need and by serving that uh, consumer in the way they want to be served. And I think, frankly, the multifamily world is the best set up to do that. They've got the best infrastructure and the best ability to do that. And I think they need to stop looking at what they've got as commodity uh, and start recognizing that they can offer a uniquely wonderful experience to that renter and go ahead and do that. And I think that's a completely missed opportunity that most people are not going after today
0: feel like Reed's about to bust out his consumerization. Uh, You're the one that said, let's make it in, into a podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. I'll come back for that one. We can talk. Yeah.
1: Well, we, we had that in our summit, Jonas. Uh, we had a panel devoted to consumerization, the impact of that in multifamily. And Everett was actually on that um, as one of the panelists. And uh, David Stanford was Real Foundations. And then we had a marketer. But they're just big, you know completely aligned with what you're saying there. We all agree with that. And it's super fascinating. Um, I won't rehash or go well, off
0: like David's saying about, you know, cause I have a lot of other questions. Uh, well, Everett, of that. Everett was contrarian a little bit. He was like, I don't think we should just be throwing things in front of people to buy them. Cause I asked yeah, him the question yeah. like, well, if someone uh, goes to lease an apartment, why not then sell them a moving company mm-hmm. or whatever? And, and he was like, well, I don't think you need to do that. And I, he had to go cause it was, uh, he was late, but I, I just, Sort of disagree it's back to uh, uh jonas is hitting a lot of trusted source he's like people want trusted source that feels safe that feels whatever and as a consumer i don't want to i move rarely in fact i've never taken the step to hire a moving company because i don't have the best impression so someone was like this is my go-to moving company you should do it and you're gonna get 500 dollars off i'd be like all right so i just think there is opportunity there i do agree we shouldn't be like sling in like discount ticket sales on like everything. Oh, you're going to buy a lamp for your place. Here you go. 20% off from like lamps to go or something. But I do think if you can do it tastefully and there is,
2: yeah. okay. I think tastefully and thoughtfully, you know, you think about the relationship that, that, uh, a renter has with their property manager. Um, there's a lot of conflict in that relationship today. Um, and I don't think that conflict necessarily needs to be there. And I think it can be much more of like a, you know, not to, use an overused term in the space, but you know, much more of a hotel hotelier kind of approach where um, you're getting great service from those folks, and they are helping you with experiences that you don't source every day. You know, you're new to the neighborhood. Well, we got a curated list of restaurants, not just the people who are paying us to add them to the list, but here are great restaurants that are in the neighborhood that our residents love, and we know because we've asked our residents and you would enjoy them. You know, here's a moving company that we have a relationship with and we can guarantee that you're not going to get screwed by this moving company you're you know they're not going to break your stuff and walk away um, they're going to offer you a great service and we're standing behind that as an independent verifier of their quality you know not just yeah we get we get 50 bucks and you get 50 bucks if you use this moving company but real value creation uh, I, I think there's a huge opportunity to, to bring them almost everything. Because I, I think the, the point you mentioned, David, is a really good one, which most people don't buy these products all the time. And you want some help from somebody um, when you are buying these products uh, so that y- you make a, a better choice. And somebody with more experience and who's in a better position to guarantee quality is going to be helpful every time.
0: Yeah. Well, one of my other left turn questions, maybe I should take a right turn, not left. Yeah. So There's a lot of left turns. Driving go, in right. We're driving circles. We're just going in circles right now. <laughs> what mean. Yeah, I I think you um, uh, had mentioned this was your first uh, startup, is, or is that true? Yeah. All right. So I would like to move a little bit down that road. Curious about mm-hmm. how it's been different than what you expected. You know, during that three-hour decision to like <laughs> leave your job and go start something, and then if you would uh, recount your darkest day or our moment <laughs> as a founder, uh, cause I always think those are yeah. some other examples that we could give you need, but
2: you know. you know, it's, it's, it's different in so many ways and on so many different levels. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, used to working for large companies, um, mm-hmm. in our space for a lot of years and very familiar with that experience and, uh, all that goes with that both good and bad. Um, you know, on one hand, you have wonderful resources and great colleagues who can do all sorts of things. So you don't have to do them. On the other hand, there's corporate politics and other stuff that you have to deal with. Um, so, uh, you know, there's the, uh, the differences are, are legion. If I were to think about the, the main one, it's like, nobody's ever done this before. There's nobody to talk to, you know, on an everyday basis, I have to make decisions that, um, are make or break for the company. And you just never know if you're making the right one. Um, so I just always try to differentiate between like, okay, this is a bet the company decision. And this is a, we can change next Wednesday if we need to decision, uh, and try to be as clear as I can on, you know, which kind I'm making and invest appropriately because I have to make those decisions every day. Um, you know, and then, uh, in terms of, uh, moments along the way, uh, you know, that, that have that, you know, oh crap moment. Um, (laughs) I'm incredibly fortunate to say, I feel like I'm like tempting the fates, that we haven't had that many of those. Um, you know, we've had a couple of moments where we've had uh, people who are important to us decide to go and do something else. And every time that happens, that's like, Ugh, you know, it's really depending on that person. Um, how do I, you know, move to the next thing? Um, but, uh, you know, and there's partnerships that are really important to us that, um, you know, it's, it's been a huge win to get those or disappointing when it takes longer than expected. Um, but there haven't been any moments yet where I've been like, uh-oh, um, we're in real trouble here. Um, it's been, um, you know, there's no straight lines, uh, but there haven't been any of those existential threat moments yet. I yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we haven't heard uh, digital dudes uh, jinx or anything, so hopefully... Yeah. <laughs> You don't hope have any. I feel very <laughs> like I'm I'm really tempting the fates saying yeah. that. So perhaps I should just make something up. But yeah. uh, I don't know. The fates would know if I was well, making something up, happens, I suppose. It, it's just coincidental, Jonas. Okay, kind of- it's not, it's not your fault.
1: <laughs> David that question. It made me think Chew Dog though, because David turned me on to that. I don't know if you heard of the book, Phil Knight's memoir. I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. his his low moment from what I know so far is is the FBI uh you know, oh, investigation.
2: Yeah. So yeah. as long as that, that hasn't happened yet. No, we've it. stayed clean. Uh,
0: yeah. Nothing, nothing like that. Uh, it would be kind of fun right. to be so culturally impacted that we have like a, in, in Sandlot, the movie, the, your movie reference. Oh, yeah. But the, isn't it like the great Bambino curse or something yeah. that they talk about? Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> have no
1: curse uh, for the Cubs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. I guess they, they did win a world series in the last 10 years. So yeah. It's over. But yeah.
0: Well, that's, uh, yeah, that is fortunate. I think it's different because, uh, or at least fortunate, even though what you're doing is so hard, the two-sided marketplace, it's, uh, even though, although it's free, so, but it's still a two-sided marketplace to me, uh, you don't have, you're not over-relying on something. So like when, when Oboto first launched, one of their big, you know, killer features was the first integration with, with Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. If Facebook Marketplace had turned them off, all of a sudden that would have been death for them at that time, right? Yep. And yeah. then you have apartment list that wants to do that was more on like they needed the matchback reporting so they could even charge to their clients. So if they got shut off from the systems and then they had they to say, hey, client, could you please send us your list for the week for the month? That would have been kind of kill them, too, because who's going to mm-hmm. trust the client to send over the entire list or like timely or whatever. So yeah. with you guys trying to say stay self-contained, it's a harder road. But you don't have this over reliance on one particular channel or system or or whatever other platform that you're building off of. So harder, but safer.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, we had AWS take us down for six hours one day. That mm. that was bad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, other than them, um, you know, they're, they're the only kind of single source. Um, you know, we like, look, we've been incredibly lucky to have great partnerships um, and have, uh, you know, lots of folks who've made um, commitments to us and have listed with us. So we're really grateful for the support of the industry, but it is a um, a broad collective of folks who have listed on it. So yeah, you're right. And you know, one of the things about having, um, you know, a, a fragmented uh, marketplace with lots of folks on either side is that diversification comes with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I uh, well, I guess the the joke I'll throw in there is, if you guys decided to launch one of these products that's like a competitor to Parler, then you might want like a an AWS like backup, uh, so you don't get shut down like they did. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, to try to stay out of politics a little more than that. Yeah, that's probably a really great idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I know we're we're close on time here. Do you have a couple extra minutes for Reed to get in? He said he had some questions. So yeah, for sure. All right. Well,
1: whatever my questions were, uh... oh,
0: they have come and gone. <laughs> yeah. The great Bambino curse is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We <laughs> no,
1: but I will bring up one um, related to content and ILSS. So Dave and I have had this discussion. As he mentioned, there's somewhere in our Um, archives is, is our, I, what we do if we had an ILS and Mm -hmm. one of the things other than, Mm -hmm. you know, mimicking the the Google auction based model, um, you know, from an advertising standpoint for me was content, you know, that Mm -hmm. it still seems like it's greatly underserved or nobody's figured that out in particular, I'll say the ILS species or genre. Um, and David said, yeah, if they would just kind of mimic, um, what Airbnb has done, um, that could be a really interesting play. So I'm curious, uh, it doesn't mean it has to directly, you know, I guess involve or connect with you at Dwellsey, but if you have any opinions there, uh, um, and I'll add a little bit more to this, but um, we've been at a few conferences ourselves, but also come to the same realization that as you talk about that experience, so often it doesn't begin directly with the, you know, with a unit, with a home, with a building. It's more about what's happening in that neighborhood. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's like... Big piece of the pie that or equation that happens in advance. Then they start trying to find where where they could potentially live that would you know work with all that. So any opinions, hot takes as as it relates to to content um, mm-hmm. as you think about that kind of broader, I guess uh, you know, renter experience.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think content exists on a couple of different levels. I think there's a huge opportunity to uh, marry up uh, rentals with other content that helps people make choices about where to live. Um, you know, whether it's understanding the local restaurant scene or understanding um, you know, the local parks or, you know, whatever you happen to be interested in, right? Um, and and being able to source all that information. Um, but you know, it gets to a really interesting um dichotomy because for the landlord who's listing, for the property manager who's listing, um, they have get this really negative feedback cycle because the more and the better information quality you present in the listing, the fewer leads you get. And the really sharp, smart landlords know that that's because poor quality leads are winnowing themselves out. Um, but your average landlord um, doesn't necessarily come to that conclusion, nor would any rational person who hasn't spent as much time thinking about this as I have, um, you know, like, you, you just think like, wow, okay, I put in a bunch more information, and my lead volume dropped in half. Well, that's not great. Um, that's a negative feedback loop. Um, it feels like I did the wrong thing there. Um, now, if you observe that for a while, you realize like, wow, I'm still closing the same number of leases, and I'm working a lot less hard for it. Um, but that Feedback loop is a real problem for our industry and our, and the type of business we offer. We want renters to have fabulous information about properties so that they can make really good decisions before they use any of the leasing team's time. Um, but that often doesn't flow well. Uh, leasing teams want to know that they've got a fair number of leads that they can work. And if they don't have that, they get really worried which I understand, you know, they have traditional close ratios and they're used to those. Uh, and if they change that because the marketing team is doing a better job of describing um, their, their properties, um, that's, you know, it's a big change for people to get used to. Um, so that's a, that's, that's another layer of information uh, friction in the space that we'll have to deal with in time.
1: Well, we're definitely kindred spirits here, Jonas, because uh, I couldn't have said it maybe as eloquently as you, but I could not agree more. And there was a point earlier in the, in the podcast here that I was gonna challenge you when you were mentioning at Essex um, you know, the the pay to play and that there's not a lot of value in these ILSs unless you're, you know, in that first page. What's the value of page seventeen? You know, I've said quite a few times that I see value in page 17, but just be prepared for 10% of the leads, but those leads are probably gonna be high quality. You know, I've gone as far as saying, make it yourself harder to find on the internet. Uh, That's actually a good thing. So somewhat connecting here uh, to what you're saying as far as the descriptions, because uh, the more that you do tell um, and the less easy that it is to find you, the higher quality that lead's gonna be. And I was glad to hear actually uh, a a friend of ours at Graystar, Melissa Robbins, she she's been great um kind of advisor almost to us uh, but she did a presentation here in Colorado at uh, the apartment marketing association and was asked to look into the future uh, 20 years or something and she was like what one of the things that stood out and maybe it's just because it was validation but she said i imagine a time where you know our properties are celebrating and just fine with 15 leads a month mm-hmm. rather than 250 and the reason is is that 12 out of those 15 are going to close. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just totally on the same page there.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, you know, the folks love the leads and it and it feels good to have a lot of opportunities to make a sale. I, I 100% get that. You know, I made a change at one point when I was at Essex and I reduced our lead volume by 20%. Um, and the, um, you know, the leasing teams about lost their minds. Uh, and And shame on me for not doing enough communications <laughs> and not like, you know, really messaging the heck out of that before it happened. Um, I, I definitely could have done a better job of that. Um, but it was, it was bad for a month or two, uh, before they finally realized like, Hey, we're still getting our leasing done and we all have a little bit more time now. Um, yeah. but it, it took them, uh, a little while to get there. And I think Melissa's right on. Um, I think that's, that's exactly the way it should be because you should be able to, you know, have a high quality lead and you should be able to close. Like, you know, if you get, if you get three tours, you should be able to close one of those. Yeah. Um, that's the way the world should work. Um, it's not going to be for everybody, but it should be for most of the people who show up and make that effort. It's a lot of effort to go tour our property. Yep.
0: Well, Jonas, you've been incredibly uh, generous with your time. We've gone way oh. over and we even started you late because Reed and I were <laughs> having to reset things up and stuff. So, um, Anyways, before we get out of here, though, is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't touch on, or or anything you want to close out with?
2: No, I'm, you know, just excited to be here, excited to chat with y'all, um, you know, and excited to uh, welcome the industry to Dwellsey and, uh, you know, ask everybody out there if you want free high quality leads, you know, where to go.
0: Yeah, well, they can obviously reach out to you, Jonas, and mm-hmm. get in touch, or uh, or uh, on the website, is there a way for them to submit and then? You yeah, hundred percent.
2: You know, uh, you can go to, uh, to the website and just contact info there. Uh, you can just submit a quick form or you can just uh, email me, jonas at com. Great. Thank you.